The sermon this morning uh, is from, uh, from the Gospel of Luke, and it's, uh, it's the winding up of Epiphany, okay? Uh, so many of the sermons and uh, scriptures during the season of Epiphany are all sort of aimed at this seeking human beings trying to figure out, well, who is Jesus? Who is he? What's he all about? How can we figure out what he's doing and have an epiphany about his presence in our lives. Um, the text I'm going to read to you is a text where uh, Jesus is beginning to turn the tables on that question of us asking, well, who is Jesus? And Jesus began asking, who are you? And so this teaching of Jesus uh, takes place right after he went on a mountain to pray and there were some of his disciples with him and he stood up and he went, you and you and you and you, and he called them out, 12 disciples by name. He says, you are now my apostles. And they went, oh. So there were the 12 and then there were the disciples and then there was a whole lot of other people who were following Jesus, and then there were just bystanders. And so in this sermon and in uh, this teaching that Jesus began to teach after he started turning the tables on us and say, okay, you guys get to talk all about who you think I am. I want to know who you think you are. So listen with the, in this, these teachings. You know these as the Beatitudes. In the Gospel of Matthew, they're the Sermon on the Mount, Right? Well, in the Gospel of Luke, it's not the Beatitudes because they're really beautifully written and just nice. Uh, this is the Sermon on the Plain. Same teaching, but a little bit more edgy. Um, Luke writes, Jesus came down with them from the mountain and he stood on a level place. And there was a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all around, Judea, Jerusalem, the coast of Tyre, and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled in, with an unclean spirit were all cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch Jesus, for power came out of him, and he healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples. Oh, you can't walk around and read. Uh, then he looked up at his disciples and he said to them, Blessed are those who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be fed. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and, le and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
So what do we do with this teaching? I find it to be one of the most wondrous teachings of, of all of Jesus uh, besides his parables. This, this falls in the context. It's not a parable. It's not a story that we're trying to divine what the moral of the story is. This is a straight-up teaching. And he uses an ancient rabbinical technique called the blessings and the woes. The blessings and the woes. And so while we've been in Epiphany and we have enjoyed this kind of uh, scholarly pursuit of reading the scriptures and hearing sermons that are all about asking ourselves, well, who is Jesus? Who is he? What is he? What's he all about? This is the, the teaching and the time where Jesus really uh, exhibits what I find to be the most divine characteristic he has. And that is that somehow when people are in his presence, they feel power. And they, they, we, people, begin to find that place where we stop asking ourselves, well, who is Jesus? You know, who is he? Is he a prophet? Is he a preacher? Is he a healer? Is he a rabbi? Is he a king? Is he a teacher? And because of, when, of the time that we're in his presence, we'd be saying, well, maybe he's more than all of the, maybe, just maybe, he is the Christ. The son of the living God with whom I have entered into a relationship. And we stop asking ourselves, well, wh well, who is Jesus? And we start saying, well, what is he here to do? What is he doing? And what is he doing to me? Is he saving me? Is he redeeming me? Is he changing me? Is he transforming me? We stop asking, who's Jesus? And the miracle of worship and the time we spend in the presence of Jesus and his power, we begin to ask ourselves, who am I? Who am I? Who are we, the church? Being in the presence of Jesus requires us to ask this question. And he sort of set it up when he went with his disciples and, and they were up on the mountain and he started saying, and you're an apostle, John. Hmm. And Matthew, you, and let's see, Peter and Simon. All right, and they're like, whoa, he's starting to define us. And, and there's all of a sudden there's these apostles and there's the disciples who are following and believe in him. Then there's the hangers-on from Judea and Jerusalem and, and the coast. And then there's the people who are just passing by going, what's going on? What's that big crowd of people doing? All right, who are you? And that's really the invitation of worship. I pray that, that it's that moment when we gather for worship all the things that we do in worship. It's that moment of self-investigation, self-confrontation, when we decide that we have a moment to be introspective about who we are in relationship to God. Um, the Beatitudes are teachings of Jesus, and they're probably some of the most discussed of his teachings and debated of his teachings, um, <clears throat> because there, there, there's, great, uh, there's great insight into what the love of God is wrought in the world. What does it mean that God is love and that Jesus the Christ has come to be the incarnational presence of the love of God? And so Jesus does this teaching and using this ancient rabbinical technique of the blessings and the woes or less comfortable to us, the blessings and the curses. I mean, we're, cursing is, 
we're, we're, we're in our uh, postmodern era, this idea that curses are things that happen uh, are, is kind of not part of our experience. But in the ancient world, uh, curses were a really big thing. If something bad happened to you or if you got sick or caught a cold, it's, it was a curse of some kind. It came from somewhere else. Uh, we've kind of got beyond that kind of superstition. But in the Beatitudes, Jesus uses this rabbinical model. And the Beatitudes, though they are discussed a lot um, in their meaning, I would invite you to hear these Beatitudes. And uh, the, the tendency is to say, oh, well, I know who the blessed are, and I know who the cursed are. And we're all about, and I know who Jesus is. Uh, I, I invite you to get out of trying to decide these Beatitudes and then identifying outside of yourself who Jesus is referring to and what the implications of this teaching are. But instead, turn them back on yourself and say, who am I in these teachings? Who am I? Are you one of the disciples who's following Jesus? Are you one that Jesus called to be an apostle? Uh, or are you one who's just sort of hearing it uh, or just curious or casual? Or are you actually just a passerby and you overhear it? You see, you didn't even come to hear this, but you're overhearing the gospel. Who are you? Uh, if you're a bystander, what is the behavior that you're observing in, in these people that are following Jesus? And why is it so odd? So who are you? Are you a follower, a disciple, a bystander? Who are you? Uh, secondly, uh, maybe, which one are you? Are you a blessed person or a cursed person? Am I blessed or cursed? I mean, obviously, Jesus is saying blessed, and we like to say, oh, well, you're blessed, and you're cursed, and you're right, and you're wrong. And that's our tendency. But if you open yourself up to the idea of, do you consider yourself blessed in Jesus' presence by what you hear? Do you want to touch him? Because there's a sense of power there that's outside of yourself. Um, or are you cursed by what you hear? You know, or what you feel when you're... Do you feel judged or convicted or evaluated in some way? <clears throat> or maybe uh, the, the last piece of this teaching is not only those who are... Who are you in the hearing? Or are you blessed or are you cursed? He also has this uh, rabbinical thing about the now and the later. He says, well, if you are cursed now, then later you will be blessed, right? So he's got this now-later invitation. Are you a person who's living in the present, concerned about this life, this world, and what you're going to eat after church today? Or is your draw because you're concerned about the hereafter, about eternity? Is, is, is there this part of your spiritual journey that you are looking to eternal life? So those are the three categories that I'll break this teaching into. There's, you know, and that we can invite, I invite you to consider. Are you a disciple or an apostle? Or are you a bystander and an observer? One. Are you blessed? Are you here because you feel blessed? Or are you here because you feel cursed? Meaning, are you here because you feel strong? Or are you here because you feel broken? Okay, so those are the other. And then the final one, are you here today uh, because you, you are really concerned about what you're going to do right now, today, to be the godly person that you desire to be? Or are you concerned about your eternal soul uh, with God and Jesus and, and all the company of heaven for eternity? Where, 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 where is your draw? 
My hope is that you find yourself somewhere in all of those places. Let me un- let me unpack it a little bit. Let's start with uh, the uh, the now and later. Oh, that's the that's the easiest one. So there's there's here and now today. This afternoon, uh, is it going to snow or not? Right, that's what we're worried about. Or what is the state of my eternal soul, and where and am I going to go to heaven or hell? Right. So these are the things. Are you a person now person, or are you a later person? Well, I feel. Uh, some of you may feel the love of Jesus has saved you and transformed you and inspired you to live a life of, of grace and hope and service and compassion and beauty and devotion. Maybe, maybe your encounter with Jesus truly has transformed you and the way you live in this life and the decisions you make and how you raise your children and how you treat strangers, all those things. Maybe that's what your encounter with Jesus has done to you. But there may be some of you who are here today that you've encountered the love of Jesus and it has prepared you to live your life in context of eternity. Not just for the here and now, but for what the state of my soul will be from now unto eternity in heaven, salvation, eternal life. These are the things that matter. In this teaching, Jesus invites us to do both. As he's talking about what it means to be poor or hungry, which are very, very physical, earthly things. And then at the same time, blessed are you, for yours shall be in heaven. Who are you? Blessed are you an hour later? Some of you may feel like um, being a, a later person is being, living in denial. I've, I've had lots of friends who I think they're, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, right? Yeah. And it's all up there all the time. But then I know other people who they, they, they're all about works. You know, they're all about what, what I'm going to do to earn so I can be a good person. Are you a Christian? I try to be. You can't try. You either are or you're not. You know, are you, you know it, it, it's, it's a status thing. So that, that's the now and later piece. So the Beatitudes can invite you, who are you? Not who's Jesus. Don't try to figure out who Jesus is. Who are you? Are you a now or a later person? The second piece, uh, if you get away from the now and the later, is the blessing and curse piece. Uh, do you consider yourself blessed? Do you consider yourself cursed? Uh, let, let's use some more contemporary words. Do you consider yourself content or a malcontent? Are you happy or are you sad? Which is horrible, but that's the word we have. And do you have a smiley face on the back of your Jeep? on your car, on your, you know, Or is your sad face? Which are you? Do you feel evaluated and judged when you hear these teachings of Jesus? Or do you feel uplifted and encouraged? Um, I think for myself personally and in the conversations I have with spiritually minded people, I find uh, this, this characteristic of Jesus to be the most compelling uh, one of the most convic- convincing arguments for the divinity of Jesus, that he is the Christ, is this experience of being in his presence or desiring to be in his presence in worship and how it can make us feel both loved and judged at the same time, both confronted and convicted. 
at the same time, both inspired and helpless at the same time. Something about Jesus touches that spot inside of us where we know we're not God and we are needy and helpless and hungry and poor. And yet we are inspired to be ignited by the power of the Holy Spirit to make and mold ourselves in this world into the image of God and God's kingdom. Which one are you? I find myself in, in both places, sometimes at the same time. Do I feel judged and convicted and evaluated by my faith? Or do I feel inspired and uplifted and encouraged by my faith? The answer is yes, both. <clears throat> Finally, um, this idea of who are you among the hearers uh, in this story. And I think that uh, the truth about a life of faith is, is I think that Jesus did call some people into specific ministry. Not necessarily because they were gifted in it, but I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a minister. I have been called to do what I do. And the church has confirmed it. I didn't go out looking for it. It's merely the path of faithfulness that Christ has called me to walk. So the same question goes to you. You may not be one who's been called into ordained ministry to shepherd a flock or to preach and study the Word. But you know, you have been called or have had the opportunity to be a follower of Jesus. So you may not be called to specific ministry. But how do you, how do you see yourself in this sermon that Jesus is preaching um, are you one of the believers who have come out and followed Jesus and you want to hear his teaching and you want his teachings to mold and shape your life and the world around you? Is that who you are? By faith you have followed Jesus to be in the presence of the Christ. Or maybe you're a person who has come to Christ because of your brokenness, because of your hunger, your poverty, your, your, your hurt, your hurting, and you, you desire to be healed and made whole, okay? That may be who you are. Um, now, I'm preaching in church on a Sunday morning, so there's probably not too many bystanders. But it's been my experience that a lot of people love to sit up in the balcony. Who's <laughs> My wife likes to... Preachers hate it when there's an empty church. Or not, you know, the church is, is, is half full, and there's 20 people in the balcony. You know why? Because they like to observe. Right? I'm a bystander. I'm, I'm going to come by and myself not get too close. But what I love about the Beatitudes is I can imagine what is a bystander hearing? They're walking by and they're hearing this guy up there saying, you know what? Blessed are you if you suffer in poverty or hunger or sadness or brokenness. And then you think, what in the world? Those are a bunch of fanatic crazies up there. That's not good stuff. And then he, cursed are you if you're accomplished or have achieved things or, or, or have security or possessions. It doesn't make sense to the world. And, and this bystander mode, this bystander mode, 
uh, I think calls me to consider what is it so radical about Jesus that a bystander would hear what we're saying and doing in the church and think, those people are nuts. They don't make any sense. I think that Jesus um, has a relationship and intent for your life, whether you're called to you know, ordain representative ministry like an apostle or whether you're just a believer, a disciple, and a doer, or whether you're, you're, you're hurting and you need the presence of Christ to make you fully holy uh, who you desire to be, or maybe you're just a bystander. But no matter what, no matter where you put yourself in there, my favorite verse in here is how it says, and everybody wanted to touch Jesus. They said, they, and they wanted to touch him. For power came from him. And ultimately, that's really what I think these, this beatitude teaching is. There is power in this stuff. Anybody who says they can tell you exactly what Jesus meant and what he was pointing out, they're wrong. Nobody knows. This is Jesus, okay? But there is power in it. And so the invitation of the Christ is to come into his presence, be aware of his power, listen to his teaching, and ask yourself or spend your energy asking not who is Jesus, but ask yourself, who am I? Amen.